Take the Word of God with me tonight to the 11th Psalm, Psalm chapter number 11. And I want to preach a message to you tonight entitled, Reviving Foundations. Reviving Foundations. Let me mention to you this. Um, if you were here in the service this morning, I want you to know and understand that Pastor and I did not compare notes. We did not uh, confer together before we planned our messages. And yet, if you were here this morning, you'll get a little bit of a double dose in some areas tonight. And so, as I look at that, some preachers would say, Oh no, he touched on some of my message. I need to change my message. I look at that as confirmation that I'm preaching what God wants me to preach because he knows exactly what we need to hear. As we look in Psalm 11, we're going to read a very, very familiar verse to you tonight and pray that God will move and speak to our hearts. My desire tonight, my prayer tonight, is that God would give to us a spiritual shot in the arm, that God would stir us up and rile us up as we head into our revival meetings in just a couple of weeks. In Psalm 11, the psalmist here asks a very important question. And yet it's not just an important question, it is a relative question for the day and age in which you and I live. Psalm 11 and verse number 3, the Bible says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to be in thy house to serve you here at Central Baptist. Lord, I pray that thy hand of blessings would be upon this message. I pray that the power of God would move in hearts and lives as we preach thy word. Lord, help me to preach only that which would be pleasing to Thee, and we would ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, the psalmist is asking a very important and a very relevant question. And as we look at our nation, as we look at our country, it is unmistakably clear that the enemy has had his way, that God's people in many, in many ways have lost ground spiritually in our country. There is a multitude of foundations that have been destroyed and are continuing to be torn down day in and day out. Satan is active. Satan is at work. So often we get out of bed every day and we go throughout our business and we go throughout just the routine of life and we fail to comprehend that every day is a war. Every day is a spiritual battle that takes place. The enemy is alive and well. He is real. And here in our nation, foundations are under attack like they've never been before. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The psalmist is looking around and he sees the turmoil and the various things that are going on around him. As you and I can look in our nation and we can see very clearly how Satan has had his way. And it begs the question, what can we as God's people do? What is the solution? What is the answer? I want us to see as we get into this message what foundations are being attacked? What are the foundations that are being destroyed? We see that Satan's attacks are upon our country, upon our churches, and upon our homes. I want you to notice this evening the foundations that our country was built upon are being torn down. What foundations? How about the foundation of the very Word of God? Our nation founded upon God's Word and godly principles. God's Word was once the pillar and ground that our country stood upon. Our founding fathers knew God. You can read about their lives. You can see the quotes that they had. You can see the way in which they modeled our country. And it is abundantly clear they were men of God. They were people who knew our Lord. And our country was founded upon the pillar and ground 
sound of the truth, the Word of God. And as I look at my nation today, I find that the Word of God is rarely valued. It is rarely taught. It's been kicked out of the schools. Now, I thank God for, as Pastor told us this morning, President Trump says we're getting prayer back in the schools, and I pray that he's successful in doing that. But we have kicked the Word of God out of our schools. God's Word is rarely observed in our country anymore. We're living in an America that no longer recognizes the authority of the Word of God, that it should guide and rule our practice and our way of life day in and day out. It has been perverted with the watered down by false teachers and Satan's translations. You realize tonight that all the other translations that we have of God's Word seek to do one main thing, to tear down the deity of Christ, to water down sin. And we have false teachers and false translations that have perverted God's Word, torn down the foundation of our society. We also see that in our country, the foundation of the freedom to worship God has been attacked. Again, America was founded on the purpose of being able to worship our God freely in a manner through which we see acceptable in the Word of God. Understand, I'm not trying to preach a message that is just down on America. I love my country. I am proud to be an American, but I'm not ignorant about the things in which Satan has had his way with our country. The idea that we have a nation that enables us to worship our God freely is under contest constantly. It is a foundation that is being destroyed. Now there are those who would take away that freedom. The battle for America's pulpits is raging. They want to control what we can and what we cannot preach. There are those that are trying to make laws, that are trying to dictate what the pastor can and cannot speak out against in his pulpit. There are those who would say, you cannot call out sin. You cannot offend anybody from the pulpit. You cannot preach the whole counsel of God. They want to control what we preach. They want us to be tolerant of their methods of worship. And yet, they don't only want us to tolerate their perverted methods of worship. It doesn't end there. They would force us to conform to their shallow and wicked methods of worship. You see, it's not that we can just be tolerant of them. They'll never be tolerant of us until they have full control and take away our freedoms of worship. As we look at our nation, we find that there is great mock and ridicule that awaits those who would take a public stand for Christ. If you make the decision that you're going to live your life holy by the Word of God, that you're not going to compromise, that you're going to have a backbone for the Word of God, you will be mocked and you will be ridiculed and your life will be difficult. Is it worth it? All day long. God will bless you for it. But understand, He never promises that it will be easy. Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. In recent days, I have read of public school teachers who have been fired, and not only fired, but blasted because they would not allow a student to go into the opposite gender bathroom simply based on that student's choice to identify as that which he is not. You think about that. In our nation, public school teachers doing the right thing, saying, you're not going to go in the opposite gender's bathroom for that which you are not because you choose to identify with something that God did not make you. And yet they are being fired. They are being ridiculed. 
foundations are being destroyed in our country. But I find that it's not only in our country. I find the foundations of the local church are being attacked as well. The church is to be the pillar and the ground of the truth. The church is to boldly proclaim and preach the word of God as it is to men as they are. But as we take a look around us, you can look at your city, you can look at your country, and you can see how few there are churches remaining that still preach the truth at all. They preach a watered-down version. They preach something that is far from what God would find acceptable. We find that false doctrine has swept across our nation. False doctrine has entered into our pulpits, has entered into our Christian colleges. We find that we have Christian colleges that exist for the purpose of training and equipping young men and young women to serve God. And yet we have allowed false doctrine to enter in to our training facilities. And these young men and women are going out being indoctrinated with false doctrine and spreading it to the world. We find that our pulpits and our colleges have been corrupted by Calvinism, easy believism, humanism, Scientology, Satan's Bible translations again, which seek to tear down the deity of Christ and water down sin. Foundations of the local church are being torn down and destroyed. The church is not only to be the pillar and ground of the truth, but the church is to be night and day different from the world. The church is to be a place of holiness, a place of reverence, a place where you and I come to meet with our holy God that He may convict us of our sin, encourage us in His Word, that we can be strengthened. And yet as we look at churches all across our country, rather than seeing a stark contrast with the world, the church has become identical to the world. We find that church in many regards has become a place of convenience. You look around and what was once a strong, solid church that held standards and had backbone, now you walk in the front doors to the coffee shop, you see the darkened lights and the worldly music. They have the philosophy that you can come as you are and you can leave as you were. Nothing changed. Never worried about having your feelings convicted. Never worried about a convicting message on sin and righteousness and judgment because those messages are not preached behind pulpits today in the majority of the churches in our, in our country. The foundations of the church are being destroyed. My wife uh, here recently received a message from one of the students here at OCA and I have no idea what the church is that she attended but she messaged my wife and said hey I'm in church this morning and my wife said I'm so glad you're in church this morning well that was before she received the photo the young lady sent my wife a photo of where she was at and it was the picture of where she was sitting in the auditorium and if you look at the photo what you see is a stage. There's no light on in the place whatsoever. Dark ceilings, black ceilings. The only light in the place are neon colored lights. And as I zoom in, I see on the stage about four or five big flat screen TVs with a man in the center of the TV with an electric guitar. No pastor behind a pulpit, no shepherd leading the flock. And that's what they call church. That's what the generation thinks and considers to be the pillar and the ground of the truth. That which Jesus gave his life for friend that is not church whatsoever we have lost ground our foundations are being destroyed the church is to be the vehicle through which god uses for world evangelism 
Do you realize we live in the church age? God will do His work through His local church. We are to be the vehicle through which the world is evangelized. The world knows about Jesus Christ. But the question is asked today, who cares about lost souls anymore? Who has a burden for the lost? Who has the heart of God that says, I'll go, I'll witness, I will allow my life to be a testimony of His saving grace? How many churches have dropped their soul winning programs? And out of those which remain, what percentage of the congregation shows up when it's time to go soul winning? You want to see the measure of how much we care about our souls? You come to a Saturday visitation. You go to whatever church it is when it's time for that church to go soul winning. And you see how few of the members are actually in attendance ready to go out with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Foundations are being destroyed in our country, in our church. But we find foundations are also being destroyed in our homes. We are going to lose America because of the battle within our homes. Do you realize tonight that our God instituted the home? He declared it to be husband and wife. He declared it to be holy. It was God's idea. And we know all too well tonight the attack that is upon the Christian home. Satan has been at work very hard in our society to allow sodomy to gain power, to allow homosexuality to be the norm. So far, it's going to come a day when our children no longer see it as a perverse, wicked sin of the Bible. They're going to look at it as being the common norm. Why is that? Foundations are destroyed and we're losing ground. The attack is against the home. One man and one woman has always been the foundation of society. And throughout world history, you do your research, any time a nation has torn down the foundation of one man and one woman as the foundation of society, that nation has fallen. And if you think America will be the exception, you don't know your God as well as you should. One man and one woman is the foundation of the Christian home. The Bible declares to us that children are to be in obedience to their parents. They are to honor mom and dad. That is God's way, God's plan. And yet we look today, the child is the one who runs the home. The child is permitted by mom and dad to act in any way that they want in order to get what they want. Does not matter how rebellious, does not matter how stubborn or disrespectful. Children are allowed to act in any way they please to get what they want. And mom and dad have allowed the children to run the home. By the way... Children are even encouraged by the society that they live in to rebel. They are told through the television shows they watch. They're told by those who they uh, allow to influence them that mom and dad are not intelligent. They're taught that mom and dad do not have the answers, that they are not wise. Teenagers have the idea that they are wiser and more knowledgeable than their parents, that God gave them to guide them in spiritual truth. God help us. Parents live in fear of exercising their God-given right to discipline their children because who knows what might, what might be reported of them. Foundations are being destroyed. As we look at the home, we understand that the husband is to be the head, the spiritual leader of his house, and yet very few homes are truly Christian homes anymore. 
Roles have been reversed. Husbands have allowed worldliness at home, but when they go out in public and when they come to church, they're content to put on a spiritual facade while they're in public that is not reflective of what they allow in their homes when nobody else is there. The husband is to be the head and the spiritual leader. What I'm saying to you tonight very simply is that the foundations of our country and our church and our homes are being destroyed. And the psalmist cries out in verse number 3, What can the righteous do? What is the answer? What's the solution? How can we turn this thing around? And I want you now to take the word of God and turn back to Nehemiah chapter number 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. I find here that Nehemiah provides a great answer to this question. As I was reading through the Word of God, I came to Nehemiah chapter 4, and for weeks now, these verses have been on my heart and on my mind. Nehemiah is dealing with the city of Jerusalem. At this juncture, Jerusalem had been destroyed. Its people had been taken captive. The city was leveled. Its gates were burned with fire. Chapter 1 tells us, And those who had escaped and left of the captivity were in great affliction. Nehemiah is looking back at the city of Jerusalem, what was once the mighty capital of God's chosen people. And he sees the foundations had been destroyed. He sees that the gates had been burned with fire. And now Nehemiah is faced with a question. What are we going to do? Am I going to sit idly by and watch as Jerusalem remains in ruins? Am I going to sit by and be content to see the foundations lay in rubble? Am I going to give up and quit because the city had been destroyed? What's the solution? What are we going to do? Nehemiah was faced with that question. And I want you to read with me verses 1 and 2 as an answer to what the psalmist says. What can the righteous do? Nehemiah 4 verses 1 and 2. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which were burned? Nehemiah had to make a choice. And as he looked and got the report of what was going on back in his hometown, back in the city of Jerusalem, his heart was moved. And God put in his heart a call to action. He could not sit by. He could not be idle. He needed to act upon what he saw. And God allowed him to go back and begin rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And as we look at verses 1 and 2, we find that Nehemiah had God's blessing and he had the king's blessing to return and begin rebuilding these walls, to begin rebuilding the foundations of Jerusalem that had been destroyed. In verse 1, we find that the enemy, Sanballat, heard what was going on. And as he heard the work of God going forward, it angered him. The Bible says he was moved with indignation and he began to mock the Jews. You know, isn't it something how Satan and those who do not value the things of God always get moved with indignation? They always get riled up. They always get vocal when God's work is going forward. When you do something for God, when God is blessing and the church is growing, there will always be opposition. There will always be those that will speak out and make fun of and try to tear down the work of God. Sanballat was one who troubled the work of God. And as he saw and he 
looked at what was going on, he was angry and he began to mock the Jews. What I want you to see tonight, what's very important is what Sanballat observed. As he got the report, as he began to look at the work of God, notice what he sees. As he is mocking, he begins to say in verse number 2, He spake before his brethren the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews... Notice with me, number one, he asked the question, Will they fortify themselves? Again, he is making light of and he is mocking the Jews. We see that the city has been laid waste. The foundations are broken up. The wall is knocked down. God's people have lost ground. And Sanballat looking and mockingly says, Will they now fortify themselves? Will they strengthen their defenses? Will they secure and protect their city? Will they build up their strength to withstand future assaults in their way of life? By the time we come to Nehemiah, we understand that there has been a group that has already returned to the city. They've rebuilt the temple. Worship has been established. We read about that in the book of Ezra. And now Nehemiah is charged with building the defenses, building the walls to protect their way of life, to protect their freedom to worship Almighty God in the manner that they see fit according to His Word. And he says, will they fortify? Will they strengthen? Will they build their security and their strength? Many again had already returned and Nehemiah works to rebuild the walls. He works to protect their freedom to worship. Notice with me, secondly, Sambalat says, will they sacrifice? Will they once again sacrifice unto their God, Jehovah? Perhaps at this point, Sambalat is thinking and making light of the power of God. Sambalat was not a believer in Jehovah God. Perhaps he is at this point mocking and making light of the fact and thinking that their God, Jehovah God, just didn't have the power to protect them from being destroyed in the first place. And now are they going to return to worshiping this God that was unable to protect them? Understand tonight, friends, God does have the power. He is the Almighty. We understand Jerusalem was destroyed because of the sin of the people, not because of a lack of power and authority from our God. And yet Sanballat says, Will they again sacrifice unto their God? Will they return to Jehovah God with all of their hearts? Will they again worship their God? Will they give of their time and their energy and of their life to the work of God? Will they once again turn back to God with all of their hearts? Notice with me thirdly, he says to them, Will they make an end in a day? And that simply means, will they complete the work which they have begun? Do they intend to complete the work which they have begun? Will they stop short? Will they turn aside for persecution? Will they lay aside the work because of ridicule or adversity? Or will they give of themselves diligently until the work has been finished? Will they make an end in a day? Again, he's mocking, he's making fun of. But obviously, Sanballat sees something. He wouldn't make these jokes and these gestures. He wouldn't mock in this manner unless he saw those very things taking place to which he was mocking. Notice with me, fourthly, he says, Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish which were burned? Will they take the broken up pieces of stone and use them to rebuild? Will they build the walls again with the burned down gates and the crushed to powder stones that was once the great walls of the city of Jerusalem? Friend, I want you to see tonight that as Sanballat heard the report, as he understood a great work of God was taking place, as he began to do the research and he looked out and he observed, 
what he saw is exactly what he was making fun of. They were fortifying themselves. They were building the walls. They were building their strength. They were gaining their protection. The worship had been restored. They were praising their God. They had a mind to work. If you're familiar with Nehemiah, you understand that this group of people, this group of believers, had some tenacity about them. They had a mind to work, and they would not be swayed. They were going to complete that which they had begun. We know that they worked under great opposition. And yet when the enemy came and the work became hard, and not only was the work hard and the work laborious, there was a time when the work even became life-threatening. The enemy was at the door. The enemy was there to shut down and stop the work of God. But did the folks in Nehemiah's day back down? Did they stop? Did they slow down the work? I will tell you, as I read the Word of God, I find that they had a mind to work. They did not slow down. They did not retreat. They did not throw in the towel. They grabbed their sword in one hand and their building tools in the other, and they kept working. Friend, what we need is our local churches to continue the work of God, regardless of the opposition, regardless of the difficulty. When Satan comes at our door, and he will, if we are doing what is right, then we don't need to back down. We don't need to lose ground. We pick up our sword, and we go to battle day in and day out. And that is exactly what we find the people are doing. The work was hard, but they had a mind to work. And they would not be swayed for difficulty. They would not be swayed for their lives being threatened. They would not quit. They would not turn aside. They had a mind to work. And they did rebuild the, where the stones had been broken up and where the stones had been burned. They completed the work that they started out to do. Friend, I want you to see tonight the message very simple. The application is this. The foundations are being destroyed in our country and in our churches and in our homes. And we can no longer sit idly by and watch as Satan has his way with our children and with our way of life and with our homes. What is America going to be in 20 years if God's people don't stand up upon the word of God and speak out and cry out against sin? We must Act. We must put feet to our faith. We must not be content to sit in church and be fed and be fed without ever going out with what we have received. We need to act. The great need in our country, the thing that will rebuild the walls, the thing that will stay the flood of the foundations that are being destroyed is a mighty revival from God. What I find in Nehemiah is that Israel experienced the reviving of their city, the reviving of their worship, the reviving of their strength in the Lord. And we need a mighty revival in our hearts. Each of us individually need a mighty stirring of God in our souls, in our being. We need a fire lit inside of us that will burn for the Lord. And if we will experience in our own hearts individual revival, that we will reach into our homes. And from our homes, that revival will reach into our church. And from our church, that revival will go to the world with the gospel of Christ and the power of God. The psalmist says, what can we do? What must we do? 
Friend, I submit to you tonight, we must once again fortify ourselves in the Word of God. We have to. We must fortify ourselves in God's Word. Our strength comes from the Word. Our security comes from the Word. Our protection comes from the Word. Our foundation comes from the Word of God. You see, friend, the city of Jerusalem had foundations made of stone, foundations that were broken up and burned with fire. But you and I have a more sure foundation than that of stone. Our foundation is one that is fixed, one that is forever settled in heaven. Our foundation, the Word of God, will never be rid of. And it is time that you and I claim the Word of God once again. We need to get back to the Bible we claim that God's Word is our sole authority for faith and practice. And I submit to you tonight that we need to get back to living what we preach. If it is our sole authority for faith and practice, friend, it's not just our authority the three hours of the week that we're inside the church house. It's our authority 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Get back to the Word of God. Fortify yourself in the Word of God. Secondly, we must sacrifice not go through the motions of spirituality. We need to get back to living a spiritual life. Not going through the motions. Anybody can go through the motion. Anybody can talk the talk. We need a genuine, real relationship with our God once again. Not one based off convenience, but one based off truth. One based off the Word of God. One that is uncompromising, solid, fixed upon His Word. We must fortify ourselves. We must sacrifice. We must have a mind to work to complete that which we have been called to do. Friend, God has called us to fight a good fight, to finish our course, to keep the faith, to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Never quit. Never back down. No reserves. No retreats. No regrets. We must have a mind to work, to complete the work of God, not back down, not lose ground, not slow down. Press forward for the cause of Christ. And fourthly, we must revive the foundations that have been destroyed. The only hope for America is if we will build and we will revive. Instead of standing by and watching what Satan has done, we need to go out and we need to act on what we know to be true. We must raise the standard high, preach, call out sin, revive the foundation of God's Word in our society. How do you do that? How do you revive the Word of God in our country? By reaching every single soul that you come in contact with, telling them of Jesus Christ, training them in the Word of God, discipling them. We will never have a nation under God again until we have believers in our nation. Hey, we need to reach the world. We need to train them. We are living in a biblically illiterate society. Why? We've stopped winning souls. How will they understand the Word of God until they've met the God of the Bible and accepted Him as their Savior? It is the Holy Spirit of God that enlightens us, that opens our understanding of His Word. We need to reach and revive the foundation of God's Word in our society by reaching each and every one we come in contact with. We must revive the foundation of our churches again. Evangelize the lost. Come to church and truly meet with God. 
Expect to be convicted. Expect to be broken when you hear the preaching of the Word. Get the idea out of your mind that church ought to be convenient. Be a doer of the Word, not a hearer only. We have too many people that hear the Word of God and never do anything with it. Determine in your heart to have some discipline. As God speaks, I will act. If God speaks, I'll be at the altar. If God uh, pricks my heart, I will respond because I want to be a doer of the Word of God. Allow God to once again demonstrate His power to a wicked world through His local church. You believe the local church still has power today? My God gave His life for the local church. And I believe that His desire is to demonstrate His power through His local church. Allow God to use Central Baptist Church to show this lost and dying world His power. We must once again revive the foundations in our homes by having a truly Christian home through which God can bless. Friend, tonight, until we as God's people begin to act to do our part, to wake up and get serious about the time that we have left to serve our God, then we will not see revival. God can give revival. God will do His part to send us a revival. But we have to do our part as well. We have to act. As I read my Bible, I find that God moved the most upon those who were already moving. You look at David. David was already living a life of obedience, a life pleasing to God before he ever slew the lion and the bear and Goliath. We look at Joseph. Joseph was already living a life of obedience to God before he was ever made second to Pharaoh. What am I saying? We need to act. We need to move. We need to do our part until we get serious about the things of God, until we decide we're going to take action then chances are we will not see revival. May God help us. I believe tonight that God is just looking and God is waiting for people who are sold out to Him through which He can pour out a spirit of revival in their hearts that they may go out filled with His power to do His work. Friend, tonight, will you be that man? Will you be that woman through which God can pour out His spirit, His power, His revival in your heart and in your life? Will you help rebuild and revive the foundations here in our nation, in our churches, and in our homes? Let's bow for a word of prayer tonight. With heads bowed and eyes.